Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have with us Maddie Fryer. She is from Australia. She moved here in October of 2018, so I'm really excited to talk to her and um, you guys get to listen to her beautiful accent for an hour and it'll be awesome. But beyond that, she is the CEO and founder of the industry-leading Millionaire Mindset System, coach to Hollywood actors, Grammy award-winning musicians, millionaires, and more. Maddie is trained extensively with some of the world's top experts in emotional and behavioral pattern elimination, deconditioning processes, and behavior change. In a world where 95% of your actions are dictated by your subconscious mind, Maddie is the leading expert on how to unprogram and reprogram that 95% to help you achieve the things you want in life. Maddie, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Definitely. I'm really excited that we get to reconnect after meeting in Breckenridge about a month ago. So that's, um, it's really good to, to see you again. Yeah, that was amazing. We had a blast there, actually. Yeah. First time making a snowman, so that was awesome. <laughs> Steve, I think I'm going to make your cover art, Steve. <laughs> Steve. It has to be Steve. It was beautiful, guys. It was beautiful. It was. It's awesome. All right. Um, so let's hear a little bit about like where you grew up and how you grew up. Obviously, you are not from the United States, so how was your childhood? Was it a lot different than what you're seeing childhood like in the United States? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like no, no, no matter where you grow up, you're going to have people that have, you know, really great upbringings and people that, um, you know, really struggle. And uh, my upbringing was actually, you know, really great. I had really, you know, my parents were really supportive and really loving. And I, I grew up in a really um, amazing environment and, you know, very healthy environment. And really, you know, the worst thing that happened throughout my childhood, I would say, would be my parents getting divorced. Um, but again, that was, you know, a very malleable divorce. And they really did the best that they could to, you know, to make it work and to make us happy. And it wasn't until I really delved deep into, you know, coaching and, um, you know, the deep subconscious work that I do, that I realized how many people, you know, had not had that upbringing and how many people, you know, weren't as fortunate as I was. And, you know, it kind of just, it really made me realize that I think we were talking about it and you mentioned it was like, even if you yourself haven't been, you know, through anything significant or super traumatic, you know, someone who has, whether or not, you know, they're openly expressing it. And so it was amazing when I started to, you know, and, and this is whether you're in the US, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Asia, you know, wherever you are, it's amazing once people start really sharing their stories, how many people have been through you know, trauma and violence and all of this that is really being left unspoken. Definitely. How did you get into being a mindset coach? Was there something that happened to you specifically, or was it just kind of, you noticed that people weren't tapping into their potential? Yeah, good question. So I actually started off, I kind of fell into it. So I started off nursing. I, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor and I started off nursing as a stepping stone to that. Um, and when I was nursing, you know, I just realized that 
there were so many people that, that I wanted to help. So I really wanted to help people, but the system was so disjointed and it was this kind of band-aid fix. Um, and I personally got PCOS, which is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so for those of you who don't know, it's basically a hormone disorder. Um, completely lost my cycle for five years and you know was going through a lot of health issues. So I delved into natural health and I studied uh, traditional Chinese medicine and natural health for about three years. Um, and that's when I really started to realize that you know, so many of our problems physically and not just, you know, physically with our health, but also physically, you know, with our external environments and, you know, our relationships and our finances and careers and all of that fun stuff, you know, always stand back to our mental health, our mindset. Um, and that's kind of when I really got fascinated with the whole mind-body connection and started to really delve deep into mindset. So, you know, I started going to things like Landmark, Tony Robbins, and you know, all these personal development seminars and reading books and had a lot of really amazing breakthroughs there. I got a lot of awareness around, you know, my patterns and why I was the way that I was and why I was holding myself back. But it was all just awareness. It wasn't, you know, shifting my patterns or getting rid of them. It was just aware that I, you know, had patterns and why I was that way. So, you know, I still felt like I was fighting myself. And, you know, now I realize that I was because, you know, it's all, all of this work that I was doing was really important, but it was on more of a superficial conscious level. So, you know, we spoke before about the 95.5. So 95% of your brain and your actions are controlled by your subconscious and only 5% is conscious. So, you know, you can do all the extensive work on, on that part of the conscious brain of your mind. But if that's all that you're doing, you're really missing, you know, getting to the root cause of these problems and, and where they're actually, you know, really stemming from. Um, so that's kind of what I found out when I was doing all of this personal development work. I was like, okay, something's missing. I'm still not shifting as fast as I would like or overcoming my patterns as, as quickly and efficiently as I would like. So that's kind of when I started delving really deep and I spent, you know, the last three years, I think it is, um, studying really deep into subconscious psychosomatic work and, you know, emotional trauma and things like that and really learn how your brain is kind of like a supercomputer. So, you know, it's constantly being programmed. And for most of us, it's been in a, you know, programmed in a way that isn't serving us or that's holding us back from, you know, achieving our potential, like you mentioned. And, you know, it's not until we learn how to unprogram and reprogram that brain properly that, you know, you'll kind of forever be slave to your subconscious and your past and your trauma and things like that. And, you know, this is a big reason why most people think this is just the way that I am, or this is just what I've been through. And so I, I just am this way. And, you know, it's really not true. You can actually completely unprogram and reprogram your brain and trauma and things like that if, if you really know how to do it. And so I think that's kind of my big passion now is really starting to help people realize that they, they don't have to live with their trauma or their pain or their lack of confidence or their perfection paralysis or whatever it is for them. So yeah, that's kind of how I delve deep into all of this. Yeah, definitely. Was there somebody that kind of showed you that that was another step that you could take? And yeah. like, how did that, how did you learn that there was this there was one. all this other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good question. So that was actually Xander. So my husband, Xander, when he was just starting up his business, I think it was two years ago now, 
uh, it might be coming up on three years, he lost his best friend to suicide. It was his best friend since he was, you know, growing up uh, from when he was younger. And that really shook him to the core. You know, it really came out of nowhere. And he uh, was in the Marines and, and basically, you know, had a lot of PTSD and was really suffering. And, and it was interesting because Xander was, you know, he was like, I had no idea what to do or where to turn. And at that point, he was working very closely with Jack Canfield. So for those of you, again, who don't know Jack, he's author of, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul. So he's, I think he's sold you know, more copies of books than almost the Bible. Like he's he's amazing. If you don't know, you want to go check him out. Yeah. And Jack Canfield partners very closely with uh, Dr. Deb Sandella, who is the lady that, you know, I learned from, and she's the lady that kind of founded this subconscious method. So Xander got really deep in it. And that's how he overcame a lot of his you know, hurt and pain and, and trauma from losing his best friend. And then, you know, when we met, he was like, you have to you have to go down this route, you have to do it. And I just delve really deep into it from then. That's such a uh, key story, especially for our listeners, because they have been through almost a similar trauma. You know, it may not have been losing a friend, but you're losing, you know, a love of your life or, or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's a very similar trauma. And just knowing that there's something out there that you can start to work on. It's not just, yeah. oh, this is what I went through. So like you said, you know, this is what I went through and, and this is yeah. how it's going to be forever. Yeah. And the interesting piece is, you know, when I say trauma, one of the things that I've realized is like trauma is relative to what you've been through. So, you know, for some people, it's going to be something, you know, as significant as, you know, domestic violence or abuse or losing a loved one, losing a parent, you know, these are obviously very, very intense emotional events and very hurtful. But so is something, you know, when, when I'm really digging deep with clients, some people, it could be like, you know, I know for Xander, one of the things that, that kind of caused him to shift his, his belief and his confidence was he got locked in the bathroom at five years old. And it's, we look back on that and we're like, that's kind of cute. But it's like, no, as a five-year-old child, like he literally was like, I remember running through my head thinking that I was going to run out of air. Like I was terrified in the bathroom, <laughs> right? And so it's, it's cute, but it's, you know, for that, for a five-year-old is traumatic. For some right. people, it's like, you know, their grade, first grade and their best friend says they don't want to be best friend anymore. And that for them is such a significant emotional event at the time that it causes either a belief of, you know, I'm not good enough or why don't people like me or et cetera, you know, a bunch of different things. So, you know, the interesting piece there as well is trauma can be, you know, relative of things. So, you know, I, in the beginning, when I first started was like, well, I feel like I, you know, do I really have anything that I really need to work on? Because compared to a lot of the people that I was going through my studies with, you know, I didn't have as as severe a trauma, but it's all relative and it still affects you and it's all important. And I don't think, you know, any, any part of that also should be ever you know, diminished because I think we all, all go through something, no matter how, you know, quote unquote significant or insignificant it is. Right. What are some of the, I guess, blind spots that people have when it comes to the mindset? Is it really that trauma piece of it or is there something else that just kind of stops people from, really changing that mindset, if that makes sense. When you say, yeah, sorry, rephrase that. When you say blind spots, how do you mean? Things that they're not seeing. So at five years old, getting locked in the bathroom, you know, are some people not even, you know, acutely aware that that could have been traumatic. And so they're Mm -hmm. not really opening up. They're not 
really figuring out what their trauma is or what they need to focus on and work on. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, actually a really good point. So um, a couple pieces that I would touch on there. Number one is like, you know, a lot of the time, so our conscious brain, that 5% of our brain only really ter- uh, stores our short-term memory. So a lot of these things, you know, like you don't have any conscious recollection really of when you're, you know, three or four or five, you might have bits and pieces, but subconsciously, if you think of it like this supercomputer that has this, you know, cloud base of just, you know, database, it stores every single moment from, you know, by the time that you were born all the way up until now, it has a long-term memory. And so when you can dip deep into the subconscious mind, that's when you can start to have a look at, you know, where these patterns are actually stemming from that consciously you might not know because, you know, our conscious brain just doesn't store that much information. So yeah, a lot of the times, you know, we either just don't know where something's stemming from. So it's, you know, cause we're trying to use our conscious brain to figure it out. Um, or it's just, you know, that it's, it's buried so deep for some people as well. Um, I had a client who had been through a lot of sexual abuse and trauma and she'd been sexually molested by about five different people at like completely different separate times, unrelated events. And so basically this was, I think she was seven at when the first, no, five when the first one happened until 10. So it was like over a span of five years. And so her brain just completely blacked it out. So she had no memory of it. And this is the really beautiful thing about our subconscious is it's really designed to keep us safe. It's designed to allow us to survive. And if you think about it, when you're five years old and something so traumatic like that happens, you have to have some form of like buffer or else you're just going to completely break down and be a mess. So, you know, sometimes it can be as severe as your subconscious kind of blocking it out until either you have the tools or until you're ready. You know, for her, it was it took us a couple of sessions to kind of start to peel back the layers until she really felt ready and safe. And consciously she wanted to go there. She wanted to figure it out. She wanted to uproot these patterns and, you know, she wanted to overcome her trauma, but our subconscious is so much more intelligent in knowing, you know, what we need and, and how we can heal that it'll either black things out or it will wait until, you know, you have the right tools and systems to be able to kind of process and, and deal with things. That's, it's so crazy. Like I'm thinking of people that I know that have been through trauma. Like um, one of my really good friends, she was born in Europe during the breakup of the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. And she can't remember any, like she was alive and like in the wars, like her family house was burned down and she's like, I Mm -hmm. don't remember a single thing of it. And she was, you know, six years old, kind of where your memories really do start. You should, she should be able to remember that. And she's like, nope. I know yeah. I lived through it because my family tells me I did, but she's like, I'd have no clue yeah. what happened. So Exactly. Yeah. And that's really our subconscious keeping us safe because, you know, it was interesting because I, I asked her because one of the things that came up for her was she was like, I feel like I can't trust myself because if I don't even have a recollection of what happened, I feel like I can't trust my own mind. And, you know, I asked her what would have happened if you had these memories previously? And she really thought about it and was like, to be honest, I probably would have like taken my own life. She's like, I wouldn't have had, you know, the tools or the resources to be able to deal with everything that I'm finding out now. And so it was really amazing for me just to see how powerful our mind is and how much we have to have that trust and that faith that, you know, whatever it is, whether you can't remember something and maybe you feel out of control or you feel like you're you know, not trusting yourself, it's 
our brain is there to keep us safe and to protect us until we have the resources to really be able to handle it. And you know, I've done a lot of intense, deep work with people and I've never had a session where um, they've been unable to process or handle whatever has come up. I've had sessions where people have wanted to, to you know, go in and, and overcome something and we haven't gone there because they're not ready. So it's really, really intelligent and being able to, to kind of heal more so than we know consciously. Yeah. What does that look like? Do they just kind of stop answering questions or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You literally it'll either they'll stop answering questions or like they'll just go blank and they're like, I can't, like, I can't see anything more. I can't like go any further. Um, even though they want to, it's, it'll just go blank or, you know, something else will happen. So it's always really amazing. And, you know, I've, I've done hundreds of sessions now. So it's like, I'm kind of able to kind of sense what's going on, but now it's just, yeah, I'll just go blank or, you know, stop talking and, and everything just disappears or they start to go down a different path. Um, and it's really interesting or it just doesn't come up. Like everything ends up being a little bit more positive or they'll go back to a different, you know, memory or whatever it might be. But yeah, just, it won't go there until they're really feeling safe and, and able to go there. That's so crazy. <laughs> I do have a question. So we've talked about NLPs a lot on the podcast, just because we do talk yeah. a lot about mindset. Is NLP the same kind of thing as what you do or is it different? No. So what I do is very different to NLP. Um, I've had a lot of clients that have kind of been through NLP. Some have found it helpful and some have found it not so helpful. The process that I do is literally like directly accessing your subconscious. And, you know, if you think of it like a computer, we're literally going in and, and releasing, you know, attachments or because the thing is you can't, you know, erase a memory necessarily obviously the subconscious will will kind of put blindfolds over it but you can go in and we can release the emotional trauma and attachment to the memory so the way that i think of it is you know you've either got an open wound that as soon as someone comes near to poking it whether it's you know you start to open up to someone maybe in dating and then you close off because it's it's too it hurts too much to open your heart up to someone or whatever that might be all these triggers come up and basically, as you remove that emotional attachment, it's like healing the wound to the point where you've just kind of got a numb scar. So it's like someone can poke the wound, but it doesn't really hurt. It's just like it's there, but it, it doesn't have the same emotional attachment or, you know, patterns. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very different to NLP, um, but I've, I've actually never done NLP personally. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. What kind of improvements have you seen with your clients, like from day one to when... Do you, or do you ever stop doing sessions or is it like a lifelong? So that was two questions yeah. one because I kind of was like, wait, do they end or? <laughs> good question. That's a really good question. I mean, the first thing I would say is, you know, mindset work in general is always going to be a lifelong process. However, it should not take, you know, a whole lifetime to move through and process through you know, trauma or whatever it is that you're wanting to process through. So I have a lot of clients that, you know, like, yeah, I've done a lot of deep subconscious work when in actual fact, that's, it's not that deep. So if you're wanting to, if you're really looking um, to doing work, it really should, within a session, you should feel a significant difference, particularly within, you know, two to three sessions, you should feel like a completely different person. Like you don't even recognize the person that you were previously because we're literally rewiring pathways in your brain. So, you know, I've had several clients. I had a client the other day who I've been working with her for about six weeks and she had really, really high anxiety and, you know, tried a bunch of different things. I think she tried NLP and obviously therapy. And she was like, 
within six weeks, she was like, this was equivalent to me of a lifetime of therapy. Like her anxiety went from a level nine all the way down to a level two. And similar to the client that I was speaking about before was, you know, uh, I think it was after the third session, she was like, this to me is, is more than having been through seven years of therapy. And so the reason for that is because you're really accessing the root of where this trauma is sitting. And so um, one of the things, you know, and I, and I say this because I really want everyone to understand that, you know, it doesn't take a long time to be able to overcome trauma or it shouldn't. And so if you're finding the results are, you know, whatever you're doing is taking months and months and months, then you're not going deep enough and there's going to be more efficient solutions out there for you to be able to really overcome this trauma because it, it really shouldn't take um, that long. Now it's always going to be a process, but you should be able to get the majority of that, you know, pain or suffering or anxiety out of the way within, you know, the first couple months. You got onto this journey through things that happened in your own life. Are you still doing this kind of work on yourself? Like, are you every day trying to work through it and not work yeah. through it, but you know, building on yeah. it? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of just kind of conscious practices that I do, like mindset stuff that I do just, just to kind of keep me level. But then the really deep, like one-on-one -on -one sessions, I, I do now about once a month just to kind of like keep the closet clean. Because the thing is, you know, with most of the stuff that I was struggling with around like parents' divorce and things like that, I've really moved through all of that and that doesn't come up in my sessions anymore. So that's, you know, I, but it took me a little while to kind of move through that, um, you know, a couple of sessions. But now it's really just whatever's coming up in the present moment. So whenever I'm, you know, going to a next level or I'm putting something out there, it's, you know, you have new fears that come up because that's the whole purpose of our, of our brain is to you know, keep us safe. So there's always stuff that comes up when you're either pushing to a next level or, you know, as you start to peel back some of the layers. Um, but it's not the, the significant, like the big chunk of the work that I had to do in the beginning around confidence and perfection paralysis and you know, believing in who I was and having a voice and things like that. I really got out of the way, you know, when I first started delving in and now it's more maintenance, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, kind of switching gears here a little bit. You, in your bio, they heard that you are, you know, doing this with Hollywood actors and, and musicians and things like that. How did you get from having to do, you know, mindset work on yourself all the way up to multi-million dollar people that yeah. are using you? Good question. So really a lot of it was just through, you know, my networking mentors. So, you know, I started obviously going through that process for myself, but I also knew that I was going to be using this with my clients and, and coaching. Um, and so now Xander, who is my husband, I, I do sessions. I've actually, my team does sessions now on every single one of his clients. Um, and then I just kind of built up through masterminds, through networking. Um, and then it was really through referrals. So all of my um, business now comes through referrals. Um, and so, you know, when you have one person, I'll introduce you to someone else and they'll introduce you to someone else. And, you know, Craig Ballantyne is a really great friend and, and mentor of mine. Um, and he's just one of the kindest people that I ever know about, you know, making introductions. And um, so I actually, once I started doing some sessions with some of his clients, you know, he was seeing how quickly that they were getting results. And so you know, he brought me on as, as part of uh, his coaching team and basically started referring a lot of his you know, CEO and executive clients that were either just stuck or he'd give them all the tools and the strategies, but they weren't taking action or they were self-sabotaging or, 
you know, there was stuck in perfection paralysis. So it was really just through networking and through connections and a lot of the masterminds that I'm in, obviously that's how I met you. So really just for me, the networking has been amazing. Um, and that's been kind of my biggest gift. And then just referrals. I think when you get, when you get results, people want to send you more people. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is kind of a twofold question. Um, so from when you started to now, how did you view failure or rejection and how do you view it now? That's a really good question. I, I speak about this a lot. I was terrified of failure. Um, if you think about it, from the moment that we, you know, pretty much from the moment that we you know, started school up until now, we're programmed that we really only get one shot at something. You know, we get one shot at taking an exam. If you're sick that day, it's you know, too bad. You just got to do it anyway. And if you fail too bad, then you have to take it over again. You know, if you show up at a, your basketball tryouts or, you know, football tryouts or whatever, again, you know, if you show up and you're not feeling well, too bad, you're, you're in the lower team. And so we're programmed that we really only get one shot at, at something. And for so long, I was always, you know, aiming to be I was like a straight A student and I was very studious and I always wanted to do the best that I could and while that kind of did really well in school that doesn't do really well in entrepreneurship you have to be willing to fail to put stuff out there that isn't going to work and so I started realizing it was causing me so much stress and then I realized that entrepreneurship and the real world is completely different you have to be willing to put out C work so that you can learn and get to B work and and so that you can learn and then get to, you know, A work. And it really takes failure. Um, and so for me, I hated failing. I thought I considered uh, myself a failure if I failed. And I was terrified of making the wrong mistakes. And I'd get stuck in perfection paralysis. And, you know, the more that I built my confidence and the more that I understood, you know, the, the benefits of failing and, and obviously learning from those failures, I started to just really reframe my story around what failure meant to me. So, you know, instead of failure meant that I was doing a really bad job and that I sucked and, you know, that I shouldn't be doing this, failure meant that I was learning and I was growing and I was implementing. And in fact, that I was courageous enough to put something out there and have no idea if it would work or have to put something out there that just completely bombed. Because I now know that that's not the right path to go down. So I think for me, it was all about reframing, you know, what failure was. Um, it was interesting. I was speaking to Shanda Sumter a couple of weeks ago and she was saying her goal last year was to fail. I think it was about 14 times. She's like, that is my goal for this year is to fail 14 times. And she was like, by the time I'd failed seven, I'd already doubled the income of my company. And it's amazing to see just how much of an impact that has. Like her goal was literally to fail and to see that after just seven times, her income had doubled was amazing to me. And from then on, I was like, I'm committed to just failing and showing up and learning and growing. So it's been a process, that's for sure. <laughs> I bet. Um, so <laughs> has just gaining confidence and building courage, has that been the biggest lesson that you've learned through your own failure or what it, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned about failure? I think for me, it's really been about uh, reframing all of my beliefs. So, you know, definitely confidence and courage, but it's interesting because I would look at everyone else's and, and, you know, you'll hear this quote all the time is like, I'd look at everyone else's highlight reels and everyone else's success. And, you know, you, everything just looks perfect on the surface and they feel like they've got it all together. And one of the things that I started doing, particularly as I was doing this work was, was really learning to get very open and very vulnerable 
And when I started really talking to people very vulnerably about, you know, what actually made you successful, it was the failures. It was the things that they did that didn't work. And so for me, it was really all about reframing my beliefs around it. And I think that has been kind of the biggest breakthrough for me around, around failure. And then obviously, you know, the confidence and the courage that comes with, you know, putting something out there that might completely suck or putting something out there that just fails and doesn't connect with people. But when that happens, learning to not beat yourself up about it and in fact look at that as a learning lesson has been probably one of the biggest growths for me around failure. Speaking of growth, what are you looking at moving forward um, and like what are your goals for 2020? So I actually have my whiteboard here. I can show you. Okay. In podcast land, this is my whiteboard. So on here, I literally, on my whiteboard, I don't know if you can see, I've got like love, joy, freedom, gratitude. So my, really my big goal, let me get back to the mic, my big goal for 2020 is more joy. One of the things that, that I realized was, you know, as I started down the entrepreneurial route, I got very in head down, bum up mode and I was just stressed and overwhelmed and, and just, you know, working really hard and it was great. But I realized that if I really, really need to show up for my clients at that next level, I need to be bringing more joy and more love and more freedom because um, that's how I really show up. So my big growth has actually been, you know, we we're just speaking about this before, it's been learning to take a little bit more of a step back and fill myself up because I think for so long it was always giving so much and, and you know, it takes a lot out of you when you're doing a lot of deep subconscious emotional work. Um, so for me, it's like literally getting back to my four-year-old self, making snowmen, <laughs> all those fun stuff. Um, but joy, bringing more joy is, is my biggest, you know, just having more fun, having more laughter. That's my big goal for this year. I like it. Um, yeah. So after coaching so many people through mindset and through trauma, what it would be the first thing that you recommend to somebody that's struggling to overcome a traumatic situation? Good question. I think the first thing is you can't do it alone. You know, I, you cannot do it alone. I, anything that I go through, I'm never alone. If I'm doing, you cannot access really deep healing on your own. And, you know, I know it's always hard to reach out and ask for help and, you know, communicate when you're feeling so fragile or really struggling, but you cannot do it alone. And there's so many people out there that are, that are here to help. You know, obviously you are just amazing in everything that you're doing, but it's, you know, you just, if you really want to, to move forward and particularly when you're in such a fragile state, you can't do it alone. Like find, find help and find someone to support you through the process. I mean, I don't even do sessions on myself. You know, I have my team do sessions on me. It's you, you really have to find someone and find someone that you connect with and that holds the space for you because there's going to be a lot of different vibes out there. There's so many different practices. And I would say find the one that works for you, find the one that you really resonate with um, and that gets the results as fast as possible. I think that is just so key. I don't know how many people we've had on here that have said that you, that you can't do it alone because you know, you, you think of when you're raising a child, it's that it takes a village when you're, you know, when somebody passes and you know, you're overcoming the grief, it takes a village. And then people kind of think of like, well, this is just a personal matter. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to deal with it personally. It's the same thing as if you can't get over this type of trauma, what makes you think you can do this type of trauma alone, you know? So it's definitely been a huge part of the show is that everybody has just said, you can't do it alone. 
you have to have yeah. somebody there. What is a legacy or the legacy that you want to leave on the world? Oh, that's a really beautiful question. I love that one. For me, uh, it would definitely be, I was thinking the other day about like, what was, what would I want to be written on a billboard? And it's, for me, it's, you know, really allowing others to, to heal in whatever way possible so that they can show up as that, you know, full expression of themselves. And so whatever that is for people that is, you know, holding them back from really being their, their full potential and, and being that joyful, loving, you know, four-year-old self that had not a care in the world. For me, it's, it's bringing back and healing so that you can really show up as you know, that four-year-old you that just loves to shine and loves to do goofy stuff and loves to just put herself out there and, and is just completely fully self-expressed. That yeah. is going to be a great legacy for sure. Is there anything else that you want to go further into that we didn't really touch on today? Um, not unless you think there's something, I mean, I could speak about this for hours to be completely honest. So unless you think that there's something relevant, I'm like, I could go a lot of different directions, but I think a lot of the main points we, you know, we covered, but yeah, unless you think there's something. Do you want to kind of explain in, in depth what you do? I think we've kind of like hit on it, touched on it, but for people who are listening, who's never, who have never heard of subconscious work, you just want to kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So and we spoke before about, you know, the subconscious being that, that 95% of your brain. So basically uh, where all of your limiting beliefs and your fears and your emotions and you know, your programming and, and all of that is stored is in that part of your brain, that subconscious part of your brain, which is that right side of your brain. And it controls, you know, 95% of your actions. So, you know, when you're wanting to show up a particular way, but you have something holding you back or you feel like you're blocked or, you know, you feel like you're fighting against yourself, that's that 95% of your brain. So really, you know, what I kind of come in and do is I really help people unprogram these patterns and these beliefs and these fears or, you know, perfection paralysis, confidence, self-doubt, you know, overwhelm, whatever it might be, anxiety, and help unprogram and remove those you know, programs that aren't serving them and so that we can reprogram them to ones that are, that are benefiting them moving forward, whether it's confidence, whether it's self-expression, whether it's, you know, having a voice and speaking up for themselves, um, whatever that might be, basically a, just a supercomputer programmer <laughs> that kind of unprograms and reprograms things so that people can, you know, stop holding themselves back and getting in their own way. So, I do that in kind of a variety of, you know, different ways. We do the deep, deep subconscious sessions, which is really directly accessing the subconscious. So we're basically, you know, eliminating mental blocks for people. And then I also do a lot of, you know, teaching around what's going on and, and how they can kind of start to move through and process through stuff on their own. Um, because obviously my goal is that people don't have to keep seeing me and I want them to be able to kind of, instead of just giving them the fish kind of teach them how to fish. So we do a little bit of the, you know, the teaching people how to fish as well as the, you know, kind of removing those blocks and, and trauma and things like that. Yeah. I picture, do you, have you ever watched SVU Law and Order? SVU? No, I haven't, but I've watched similar stuff. So it's one of my favorite shows, but like I picture in like a lot of their, when they're trying to get the victim to tell, tell them what happened, but they're like, I don't know. I blacked it out. Yeah. I can't, and they take them in and they're, it's basically like hypnotherapy almost. Yeah. And that's what I picture, not as a bad thing at all, but that's just kind of like the image I have in my head of where they're literally just like, okay, we're going to take you through your subconscious yeah. and see if we can pull it out. So yeah. for anybody that's listening, that's ever watched SVU, <laughs> I 
think that's kind of similar to what you do, maybe. I like, I like that analogy. That's, but that's kind of, you know, when we speak about, we're literally just like going deep into people's subconscious and it's not as, um, it's not quite like hypnotherapy, but it is, you know, it's a, it's a closed eye process. It's a very deep session in terms of like really going in and seeing what comes up. Do you have people who come in and just all they want to do is their deep, deep subconscious, or do you have like a step-by-step and this is kind of like the path you have to follow? So, yeah, so it's, it's a very, I mean, people come in with like, I'm feeling stuck with this. I've got money mindset blocks. I've got perfection paralysis, or I've got confidence issues. I'm not able to enroll people or whatever it might be. And then from there, everything stems back to a particular belief. And so that's when, you know, people will come in wanting something like that and it'll go wherever it needs to go, but that will end up eventually, you know, fixing the perfection paralysis or fixing the, you know, for example, like with the person I mentioned before about their best friend, didn't want to be best friends with them anymore. What was happening for him was he actually came in because he was like, I'm not enrolling any clients on the phone. You know, I'm, I'm just really nervous when I'm in social situations. I'm just wanting everyone to like me. And it was because of what, you know, that instant. So when we were able to go in and, and reprogram that, he was able to show up confidently. He was able to, you know, be fine in social situations and able to really hold, you know, a strong frame when he was on call. So it's really interesting because people will come in wanting something and it'll go wherever it goes. You know, sometimes it'll go really, really deep in terms of trauma and things like that. But it really just depends wherever, wherever it wants to go because I'm not necessarily directing the session. I'm seeing it's really naturally allowing your subconscious to go wherever your subconscious needs to go. And that's why it's so powerful because I've never seen anything or heard of any other processes that allow your subconscious to do the work naturally rather than you know, someone guiding you through the process. Wrapping up, uh, we have a couple questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show. The first one is, what would the new you say to the old you? I love that. I love that. Um, I think the new me would say to the old me that, you know, everything is unfolding perfectly and to have trust and have faith. I think one of the things I always used to struggle with is I'm not where I want to be, or I'm not this enough yet, or I'm not here enough yet, or what about this? And I always used to worry so much about the future. And I think one of the biggest things, so my, my big goal for last year was trust and faith. And the more that I have that trust and that faith, the more that I can enjoy the journey and the process and be present with it. Even if I'm not, you know, quote unquote, where I feel like I want to be, you know, I can be present and be grateful for where I am. The next one is what is something that you can recommend to our listeners to get them through a tough time if they're not ready to do like subconscious work, just kind of daily things? I think one of the things is, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is whenever you're going through you know, really tough time, we all have these beliefs around emotions. You know, I shouldn't cry or, you know, it's, it's girly to, to break down or, you know, be tough. You need to just, you need to just be tough and suck it up. Time heals all wounds. Um, and they're the worst things that you could tell yourself because as you bottle this stuff up, the way that, that I like to explain it is it's like you have this pot of boiling water and these are your emotions that are just bubbling under the surface And if you're just putting the lid on them and constantly telling them to shut up and to go away and, you know, this is stupid and I've already cried, so I shouldn't be crying again, or I should have already, you know, quote unquote, moved through this, the the pressure just builds and builds and builds into a point where it just explodes, whether that's, you know, 
having an argument with your husband, projecting that onto someone else, whether that's an anxiety attack, you know, had people that it's landed them in hospital, whatever it might be, you, it's really learning to process through and allow your emotions to come up and to release. Almost like uh, the way that I explain it is our emotions are like a river. They're meant to move through us. They're meant to process through us. And if we try and dam them up, that's when the problems start to arise. So really learning, I know for me, one of the hardest things that I had to learn or the biggest things that I had to learn, should I say, was allowing my emotions to come up without judgment, allowing myself to cry or allowing myself to just break down or you know, allowing myself just to be angry and, and you know, go to the gym and hit the bag or whatever it might be without judgment has allowed me to process through a lot of, you know, fears and trauma and upset, et cetera, rather than keeping it all bottled in. I think that is amazing. Especially, I know a lot of our listeners aren't male, but mm -hmm. we have, you know, that stigma of men can't cry, men can't have feelings and all of that stuff. It's, yeah. they're human. They do have emotions. Yeah. So allow, you know, being able to allow yourself to express those feelings and emotions is, yeah. is key. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. What would be a book, podcast, ebook quote, or anything that you kind of live by that gives you strength? Whew, that's interesting. Cause I'm always learning new ones. I'm always listening to new podcasts. I'm always like, you know, delving deep into new stuff. So I don't have like a favorite book or a favorite podcast. For me, it's always whatever I feel that I'm kind of dealing with at the time, whatever I feel that I'm you know, struggling with at the time that I will, I'm definitely a book nerd. <laughs> I love books, but I, yeah, I'm trying to think of like my favorite book or podcast. Oh, I don't know. I, I did enjoy Jack Canfield, but this is more of an entrepreneurial book, but his success principles really enjoyed that one. That was a really great one for anyone with trauma. One of the, that's having like health problems, amazing, amazing book called The Body Keeps Score. I don't remember the author, but that was an amazing one around trauma and how our trauma manifests physically in our body, how it you know, physically holds. So those are probably the two ones that kind of come to mind for first, but I just, I love a lot of books. Yeah, no, that, those are good. And then finally, where can people find you, whether it's on social media or websites and stuff like that? Yeah. So, um, social media would be right now it's, um, Instagram is kind of my main platform and, and LinkedIn, but Instagram is at Maddie, M-A-D-D-Y dot Fryer, F-R-Y-E-R. Um, and website is just MaddieFryer.com. So those are probably the, the best two places to find me. Yeah. Perfect. Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I had a blast talking to you. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for having me. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.